Welcome to Vaguely Music. I am Kelsey Jacobson. And I'm Ryan Strumpfler. And we have with us today... The wonderful John Bricker. That's me. Hey. What's going on? Welcome. <laughs> you are super special. You are a finale guest for our season oh, wow. number one. Yeah. Oh, so I'm no definitely pressure. a finale. So yes. when Ryan was texting me about this, he said it was I was going to be the penultimate guest. No. So oh, this yeah. is a nice surprise. Yeah. And maybe no, a little no, bit more pressure. I meant I was going to get you a penthouse suite because you're the ultimate guest. <laughs> at the Motel 6. <laughs> yeah, at the Motel 6. <laughs> yeah. Sick. Okay. Cool. So yes, we, are, we have reached our 22nd episode. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. 22. Um, yeah, 22. So when did you start this? Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, sorry. This is, we are interviewing <laughs> I, you. Yeah. Okay, I need to take a back seat. <laughs> when did we start? We started um, late December, early January. Yeah, that um, sounds right. Cool. Then, That'll be my one and only question. <laughs> is it your cutoff? You used it up too early. Yeah, sorry. Too early. Could I get some water? Ooh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> so, um, so... Short and sweet, what is a brief description of what you do? My job is, um, I wear many hats, but a brief description is I'm a talent buyer and I'm a concert and event producer. And I mainly work with colleges and universities. Um, and we also do some private and corporate events as well. And the company that I work for is called Pretty Poly Productions. That's the, that's the elevator wow. in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So that's wonderful because when people tend to think of... Um, booking and talent finding they always think of it on the ultimate huge stage huge venue mm-hmm. but there's like the the in, the in between levels of, oh, yeah. of getting to that point right yeah. so um how'd you how did you fall into that how did you find that how path? did i fall into that um i was this is not a short and sweet thing <laughs> i was <laughs> trying to keep we, it now we got time yeah, i just wanted the nice synopsis to yeah. start give context yeah give give the dirty details too because you've got a little bit of a, a meandering like a, yeah a the pg story. 12 and a yeah. half dirty details. but <laughs> but you've got a meandering story which i think is important I'm sure for, my best is <laughs> for people to to kind of listen to it that it's like it's not always going to be like a, a straight arrow path to, uh, to like, I don't oh. think it ever is, yeah. No. So go no. for it. Um, so it starts for me, um, I think, orientation at UMass Dartmouth right here down the road. World class. World within class. Reach. Within, within reach. reach. <laughs> Literally in, within reach, yeah. Um, so it starts at orientation. I remember going around campus. There's this really cool... It, for those of you who have seen UMass Dartmouth, you and the audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it is, uh, you know, people love it or hate it. There's not really a middle of the road opinion, yeah. but there's. It was designed by this guy Paul Rudolph in the '60s, and it looks. It was supposed to be futuristic, and there's like lots of concrete around. In the center of campus, there's a massive library, and right in the corner of that library is a big old amphitheater outside. Yep. Um, that's where they have commencement and graduation, and all those are the same thing. But the convocation. That's memory. what I'm looking for. Nice. Um, but I saw that, and I was like, that would be so cool to see a concert. Yes. at the amphitheater mm-hmm. um, and then fast forward to my first week um, they had the activities fair on Centennial Way which is like the main campus road there yeah um, and then you know so all different clubs were there you know hiking club this that and the other thing yeah. they had cab which is a campus activities board yep um, so I signed up for that because I was you know they are the ones bringing entertainment to campus um, booking and producing shows and I right. was like that sounds pretty sweet I would yeah. like to do that um, so I went um, to the first meeting, the general board meeting, um, loved everything I was hearing. They were planning a concert for the spring, um, you know, try to be as involved as possible, you know, got, got the volunteer shirt, did a couple of events, um, and then it disbanded. Um, and, but, so the activities office, which is run by professional staff on campus, right. swallowed that up and they had, you know, st- students were being paid to you know work the events and plan everything so yeah there wasn't a volunteer aspect anymore yeah so the 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 next part of the story is you know glossed over you know school work you know <laughs> playing in bands years and years and years, and years. <laughs> um but you know when it really started to kick in in terms of like uh you know when i came back to that path was i was studying abroad my freshman year okay. uh, no sorry my first semester of senior year. Of senior year. <laughs> it's yeah. very different. Okay. Very different. <laughs> very different places in my life. Um, so I was in Lisbon, Portugal. Oh, nice. um, I spent four months over there. 
best time of my life. Um, and it was getting towards the end of the semester. It was fall semester. Um, and I knew I was graduating in the spring. So I was thinking like, you know, it was after a late night and I went with my buddy Harrison who came, came with me, you know, we were friends through school. Um, and we were talking about things that we had done in college and accomplished, but wanted to do as well, or maybe stuff that you know, we regretted or missed out on. Um, and one, I remembered that orientation um, moment. I was like, I really wanted to, you know, be a part of a concert on campus. Which, you know, there there were smaller things, and there were raves and party things like a, um, right. you know, but one well, not a true concert right. um, in you know in the true sense of the word. So. By that time, I, I had done other things on campus like Habitat for Humanity. I've you know was playing in a band with Ryan yeah. Um, yeah. for a few years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know I had friends in high places basically. Um, you know through student government and through the administration. Um, so I, I sent out a couple emails um, to the vice chancellor of student affairs, um, who had become like an ally and a good friend. For he was you know called the yes man, a guy named Dave Millstone on campus for for good reason. He was like a very big supporter of students and student programs and, and lifting people up like that. Students who are active and trying exactly. to make Exactly, yeah, yeah, if they, yeah. If they, if he sensed a, you know, a motivation in a student, yeah. he would like to feed that one. in whatever awesome. way. And, you know, he, he was a big boss, so he could throw his power around it. like that. He had you know? the power, yes. So he linked me in with um, the director of student activities over there, a guy yeah. named Chris Laib, um, who was, you also became one of my mentors. And, um, you know, I basically said, hey, you know, this, I, you know, this is where I'm at. This is, you know, I would like to explore the idea. You know, what would it take to do a concert on campus? And I, you know, I knew and I didn't know. It was asking a lot. You know, it's like now I know the full breadth and scope of what I was asking. Um, but in essence, what I wanted to do is throw a big spring concert in the largest venue possible, i.e. this amphitheater yeah. that I think you can fit like 18,000 people in. Now, that sounds a little... That sounds like, like too yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> in my head, I was like, the more the merrier, you know? 30,000, yeah. here we go. All, all, all of it. Um, all the people. So I, you know, just asked the question, you know, like, what, what, what would it take? He looped me in um, with the activities office. So after that, you know, there, there seemed to be some interest in the administration. They were going to support me, but most of the work was going to fall on me. Right, so, right. Um, some of those other connections that I mentioned, you know, I had a friend that was a treasurer of the SGA. So, um, the way I did it was, you know, I ended up, you know, getting a team of my friends together, Harrison, that, you know, that buddy I mentioned, um, my girlfriend was part of the team, yeah. um, that treasurer, you know, all these people, I formed a, uh, SGA subcommittee. That was the fastest way to do it. Yeah. Um, so we, from there, we petitioned the administration to get some funds. Um, we secured, you know, a large sum of money to, you know, do this. So from there, we took this money and, um, you know, we had to go through the whole proposal process and, you know, have a mock budget and right. have some potential vendors lined up. And there was somewhat of a blueprint laid before you know some of those raids business and, planning essentially like that, exactly. that one-time business venture exactly yeah. um so you know we i was fortunate enough to you know put in that work and have those allies to get that money that i was looking for um and so you know after i got the money we started to reach out to different agents and managers and um i learned this, the first real hard lesson i learned was um I had all my general board members. Just, I was like, "Hey, Google all the artists that we were talking about here, and ask if they want to. You know, like, oh. what does their pricing and availability look like?" Um, and I quickly got, you know, like emails back saying, "You know, like, you need one voice. You know, one person reaching out. Otherwise, you're going to get uh, it's it's just going to get messy real quick." Which it oh, which no. it almost yeah, did. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, I, I pivoted and, and took over all the communication. Um, and so we ended up booking a rapper by the name of Fabulous um, okay. and a rap duo as, a, as direct support named OCD Motion Twist. So that was our bill. Um, we wanted to do the amphitheater. That wasn't possible. Um, so we gotcha. ended up doing it in the gym because you know, we didn't have, you know, if, if it rained and we had all those tickets sold, then where were we going to put everybody? Right. So the gym ended up being our best bet indoors. Yep. Um, so the gym is a gym and had nothing in there in terms of concert related items so yep. we had to build everything from the ground up sound stage lights um, mm. so you know 
tried to make inroads with some vendors and get pricing and you know um, worked with that those professional staff members that I mentioned to to work through contracts and everything right. so um, it was the most intense learning curve I've ever had <laughs> I mean it's like people you know if, if you've seen me like I have gray hair and it's like a lot of times yeah. I point to that experience to say that's <laughs> what this That's where, where it came from. Yeah. yeah. So Bricker and I were actually living together at um, 810 Smith Neck Road, which was a fantastic time. Forgot about that. Yeah. Until right now, yeah. Oh yeah. Anybody who wants to visit there, we don't live there anymore. <laughs> um, but don't, don't go there. <laughs> There's a nice. The band. whole <laughs> the whole band lived together at the time, um, except for the, the drummer because you took the drummer's room. Um, True. <laughs> but I just remember you were barely at the at the place we were staying at the, at the house yeah. for that semester because you were bouncing around. You had bags underneath your bags, underneath your eyes. <laughs> like, it was definitely one of those situations. But it was also very cool as somebody just walking around on, on campus, you could see people all together like posted up in near the cafeteria. Um, and what's the that main building called? Whatever the main building was. You had a little table set up near all the shot. It, mm-hmm. was, it was quite the experience. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, we went through... You know, we ended up having to get pretty, you know, visible on campus. We did some polling and tabling, like Ryan mentions, um, you know, and using those connections to like say, hey, this is what we're doing, you know. Yeah. And also this is coming around the corner. Yeah, exactly. This is like, please come. Like, (laughs) yeah, all that stuff. So the the end product was a massive trial by fire learning experience. It ended up being a wild success. I mean, we had almost 1,200 people there. That's awesome. Um, and it was, you know, I think one of the most well-attended. It was the first large-scale spring concert that we had on our campus in eight years at that point. And the last one was Yellow Card before that. Oh, so my God. It was a pretty long stretch. You're oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, so that, that was the impetus. That's how I got into it. Um, and so the... You know, upon graduation, um, I was applying to literally anything that had to do with music. Yeah. Uh, after that, I was like, I like I mentioned, and Ryan mentioned, I played in, in you know bands, you know here and there, but definitely the the longest running one was the one with Ryan. Yeah. Um, it was called the Young Westports, and and just Westport towards the end. <laughs> we matured. We were no longer young. Oh, oh. That was, that <laughs> was the yeah, I just remember walking into the shed, which should which should be self-explanatory. I just walked into the shed one day, and our singer uh, Andy was just like, "Yo, we got to change the name." And I was like, "Why?" He's like, "We got to shed the young part of the moniker." He's like, "We're just Westport." And I was just like, "I was I like 19 struck. and very impressionable." And I was like, "Yeah, dude, you know what? That does make a lot of sense." Like, "Yeah, we are not I'm young." I'm 19. Anymore. We're not young We're anymore. We're not young anymore. Let it let it be on the record that I did not agree with. <laughs> well, to be fair though, we did do this while Bricker was in Portugal. That's true. So he couldn't really do That's anything. Also true. Oh, wow. by the way, we changed the band name. Uh, also, we're going no votes into, in absentia. It was awesome because yeah, because he came back. And we we're like, yeah. By the way, we changed the band name. Also, we're going in the studio in about a month. Oh yeah. Oh, that also. <laughs> so while yeah. Ricker was doing all of this, we were going in and recording our second EP and like mixing and mastering everything. Yeah. Yeah. So oh it's God. good. Yeah, you didn't have any zero stress. zero sleep that yep. semester. The I mean the most memorable semester. I mean that that whole year really yeah, was like yeah, yeah. the like just like a real transition. Um, but yeah, when I was graduating, I was like, I realized that, you know, I, w- I was a bass player and I, I love writing songs. I love performing. I love that the whole idea and action of being in a band. Yeah. Um, I also didn't have the patience to sit down and learn theory or like really have the, like at that time, like courage, I guess, to, to say, Hey, I'm going to do this like full time. Yeah, I'm going and um, tackle it. Mm-hmm. But I realized that I was you really really like I found my talent was better served backstage yep than on stage um, and that's usually what I say to students that that I work with at these colleges that you know when I tell them this this story right now is like yeah I was I was you know eat, I knew I was young I knew I was green but I knew I like sometimes you just like realize that you know where your strengths are where yeah. you're yeah, yeah, it's a I, moment of strong self-reflection yeah. sometimes you're like oh oh yeah I would be wasting X, Y, and Z, and then working twice as hard maybe to do this, but I can naturally blossom here. Right. I have this. I have this skill, and I there's an opportunity to make use of it. Well, you were always that guy even before you had the big spring concert, though. Like, when we were 
And I, mean, I met Bricker because I transferred to UMass Dartmouth his junior year. And Bricker oh, would right. be the guy to be like, like the three of us, the rest of the band was quite generally chaotic, if you will. And <laughs> that's to put it lightly. Yeah. Um, Go on. And, <laughs> and so Bricker was always the, the, you were always the calming spirit that like, you'd be like, okay, no, no, no. What are we going to do for this part of the song? His eyes say yeah. otherwise. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, well, it was tough. we we steamrolled a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was, and I've talked about it before in the last podcast. I talked about this being like nineteen and being in a band and being like, yeah, we're just gonna make the, you know, we're just gonna improvise. And we're, but that was like mostly like me and the drummer. And as I go through this, like Bricker would always be the guy to be like, no, 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 like what are we playing? Like what's what? Like Ryan, yeah. like what chords are you actually playing? Like give me like that was all fun. I'm glad you got it out of your system. Yeah. Now what's actually and, happening? And and like yeah, you'd be like, okay, so I'm just gonna do this, and then like I'll meet you guys. At the end like but but that was always that created this nice contrast though throughout throughout college uh throughout the music and and everything going forward because it's not like you're there's an absence of creativity there's an abundance of creativity with what you do you just focus it in a way that's like okay i know what needs to get done and you plan things quite well in that respect and i think you have a good way of viewing things of prioritizing things whereas as as an artist most of the times our minds are kind of just like scatterbrained like crazy yeah yeah so, out of curiosity, what kinds of um, what kinds of bands or musicians or acts do you work with? Um, that I mean, a lot, a lot of different types. I mean, yeah. So we're because we're on the buyer and producer side. You know, it's we're not, um, and we work for our client. So it's in you know the short answer is whatever our client wants to see on their campus or at their company or at their party. Um, you know, it because we're working with mainly colleges and universities, I do a lot of pop and even more hip hop. Yeah. I mean, th- oh, those I'm are the sure. two worlds that I live within um, almost all the time. Yep. Um, and that's usually, so a good spread of the events that we're doing is like, we do a lot of spring concerts, like the first one I did, um, yep. which is like the big end of the year show on every campus, you know, fall flings or homecoming shows. It, it's, and it's usually besides, graduation it's usually one of the biggest events that any campus has Um, so they're trying to hit the most students possible Um, they're trying to appeal to men yeah the mass appeal which is you know an impossible thing to do because nobody can you can't please everybody especially with music and and especially in college because that's when everybody's going down their rabbit holes of like no i'm really into this weird thing that i discovered in college so you get this big pull apart for yeah 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 um so it's you know like i said a lot of pop and a lot of hip-hop um i'd say we're starting to have so to couple that, you know, most of our clients are here in the Northeast because we're based right out, outside of Boston. Um, we have a lot of schools in Massachusetts that we work with um, and, you know, down in New York City. And then we're starting to expand in places like the South and the Midwest and on the West Coast as well. Like the South, is, you know, specifically, like we get to work with, you know, more rock stuff and more country, um, which that. is, you know, a nice change of pace. Yeah. Um, and it just you know it broadens your your experience and you know the, the people that you get to deal with and the the types of work that you tr- you get to do um but i can't say enough that you know, i mean hip-hop is king slash queen of of the of the world right now so does that mean you're generally working with like a front person and tracks or do you I do get a lot like of track shows yeah a lot of track a lot shows. of track and dj shows yeah, yeah. okay um yeah, a lot of that. I mean, I've, I have a lot of CDJ setups <laughs> at yeah. a lot of my shows. Um, you know, but I mean, I do. You know, R and B I think is also having a moment right now. Yeah, uh, I think that genre has has. I don't want to say never sounded cooler. I think it has hasn't sounded as cool in a long time. Yeah, um, and I think there's really exciting stuff happening there. Um, and so the bands that I get to see in that genre are usually some of the most impressive and the yeah. most tight too. Yeah. Um, so that's that's cool and i see like you know artists like ari lennox or raven Linnae, like these like superstar female r&b vocalists will have amazing band members right like, and it's usually like the rhythm is just locked in like yeah. some of the best drummer keys players like amazing well there's i mean you see it you see the trend of it too because uh, i've gone to boston calling a few times mm-hmm. in the recent yeah i just years. went uh, on memorial day oh yeah. you went this year this yeah, is yeah. the first time i haven't gone in like Maybe four years. It was so. a cool one. It's was it's it? cool to see the progression of that event. Like, well, there's a whole stage now that ends up being, 
pretty much exclusively almost dedicated to like R&B-ish, kind of hip-hop-ish, um, but predominantly live. Like it's a lot of live band stuff. I saw a lot of live know. bands this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they have their traditional sort of like indie rock, rock stage. Um, and that was interesting to me because I wouldn't have thought, I, I feel like it even became more present from year to year. Like there were more acts that were geared in that direction, live with band, and in this festival setting. It was cool. It was really cool. I mean, that it's definitely a young crowd there. Yes. um, Just because you know Boston is college central. Yeah. Um, But I saw some great performances. You know, like and and just touching on the indie stuff, like these two, um, these two female artists, um, Claro being one of them and Mitski being the other. Yeah. um, Both exist in that indie you know realm. Both of which I booked at Wellesley College, an all-women's college in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Um, Claro, we did a show last year in front of 100 people, and she played in front of, you know, however many thousand people. Yeah, oh my God. And then Mitski in front of, like, 400 people. So I'm just sitting there, like, you know, awestruck, like, this is Watching the progression. Wild, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And both full bands. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So... Tell me, well, I know, so tell the audience um, listening and, and Kelsey, how in your peak, uh, about how many hours a week do you end up working? Like when you have to bounce around from oh, from man. college to college and everything? Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so our busy, So our schedule exists around the academic calendar. So we're busiest during the fall and in the spring. And then like it reaches its peak, as you said, in April, yeah. um, so like late March to like early May, but like usually the second two weekends in April are like you know no no rest for the weary. Insanity, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, insanity, yeah. It's a good place, a good way to put it. Um, I mean, sh- so I mentioned at the top that we wear a lot of different hats. Um, yeah. One of those hats is you know the nuts and bolts, like we're producing the show that we book. Um, so the schools will come to us a lot of times, and you know you know, have us interface with vendors that provide the sound and, you know, lighting and video walls and staging and backline or whatever it's going to be and be that one person that, that produces it all together. Exactly. So a piece of that is, is on-site production management. So it'll be myself, my boss, and we also have a a stable of production managers that we trust to, to run the shows. If we can't be there, there'll be, there'll be days that we have like six shows between the two of us. You know, on, you know, oh my God, day. my type A self could not <laughs> handle having to make a choice. It's like, oh, I'll make it to this one. <laughs> it's that's always a difficult decision oh. for sure, um, especially if we have to travel out of state or anything like that. Um, but I mean, some of those days, I mean, twenty hours. Like, if it's like yeah. if we have to build everything, yeah, and it, if we have to be in there day of and out day of as well. Um, yeah. So it's maybe coming at eight, start with the stage, and then leave at like two a.m. Yep. So. Yeah, so my, my, which I think I've mentioned on the podcast, my father's a sound engineer. Oh, and cool. so that's what he does. You would have known if you did your research. research. I, I, I can't remember. I dropped the I ball. Mean, <laughs> I dropped the ball. Um, no, but he, what he does is very similar, but a more isolated component of like he yeah. he has to go in and he has to build the back rig so of a, sound he's a live sound, sound engineer. live yeah. sound engineer and he does it for music but he also does it more commonly for sports and athletic events which Olympics. is sometimes crazier yeah it's 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 for him There's a million headsets and you know like. it's all the communications <laughs> yeah. like he handles the ability for you to be on site and talk wirelessly to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and make all those things yeah. come together right um, but it's the same thing. It's long days. You get there way before you think that you're supposed to be there. Yep. And you are there late, late, late for the next thing that's going to be starting the next day for when they need the same venue for whatever their next yep. endeavor is. Yeah. Um, Engineers like that, I'm endlessly impressed with. Like, oh, I, it's crazy. It's, it's, I mean, it's that talk about an art it's melded with the science. Like, that's. You know, it's like I love working with those guys and gals. You know, on, on people show. who know it can make your life really easy. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, it's, you know, a saying that we have in the office is like, everybody's got the gear. It's really about the people, yeah. you know, um, it's, it really is like anybody that can, you know, can go out and buy a PA and, and buy a mixer, and, you know, it's, and buy consoles and all that, um, you know, but it's really like a having competent people, engineers and, and stage hands and labor and everything like that, but also having people that are, you know, personable. And it's like a lot of times, you know, 
stagehands can have a, a reputation of being you know, stage handy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, networking is like a huge piece of what you do. It seems like probably yeah. if there was any one thing that you needed to have in place to have your job, it would be your ability to talk and communicate with other people. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. I mean, you're listening to it. You can't see how incredibly good looking and tall this man, this young man is. <laughs> well, I'm sitting down right now. <laughs> <laughs> it just emphasizes it. Yeah. Um, yeah, communication, it re- when you boil it down, like that's really all I do is communicate and orchestrate. I mean, it's, it's like we, we don't own a stage. We don't own audio. And, um, you know, we don't, you know, represent the bands that we're booking we represent our clients and 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 ourselves so you know everything it's we're consultants in that in that aspect so you know our whole value is is what you know our interpersonal skills our knowledge and experience you know our on-site presence and um ability to communicate is is really that that's it i mean if if we don't (laughs) if we don't have that really we don't have anything so then so what do you do when you when things start to go wrong, like when the artist? Because I'm sure you've had it where the whole like the, Ooh, the can spec- I back it up? I guess. <laughs> okay, well, sorry. I mean, but back you're farther away from the mic. So. <laughs> well, I was gonna say what is so in your in your job, like what is the first thing that happens? Like how does the process start? Oh yeah, that's a good question. So. Um, we'll use a school as an example since that's the majority of our work. Um, so. Some of our clients, we, we work with a whole bunch of schools, like upwards of 100 schools, you know, and that's across the country, and we're doing maybe like 250, 300 shows a year. Yeah. Um, so it starts, I mean, it really never ends, um, but a process from start to finish will look like, um, you know, for now, um, you know, this period of time, we're in, you know, June, we're starting to look at the fall semester. We've already gotten shows booked. That makes sense, yeah. So, you know, we were, you, you know, try to get like that three month at least lead time. So yeah. with our schools, you know, they'll either, it can start at different varying ways, but usually, you know, what's our venue, our venues? Do we have options? Um, what does our budget look like? Do, do we have flexibility? Um, we start with, you know, you know, one of the hats is we help manage budgets. So, taking those funds that they got funded, working with the students and administrators to say, here's the spreadsheet, you know, we have quotes from this vendor, that vendor, we have artist pricing, um, you know, let's start to kind of compartmentalize your budget so we can have a, a roadmap or, or some parameters to work within. Right. Um, but, you know, sometimes even before that, it starts with, with brainstorming. So if they are trying to do a homecoming show, you know, we, we try to conceptualize and work with them, like what is the goal? What are they trying to achieve? Um, and then really trying to understand their campus. Um, so what they're trying to achieve and what environment they're trying to achieve it within. So for, you know, if they have a homecoming concert that they want to see happen, yep. um, we start, if, if they have artists that they are specifically interested in, they let us know and then we can tell them some pricing and, and you know notes if we've worked with them before our opinions you know if we've you know you know thoughts or on you know if colleagues have worked with them how they've behaved or performed at schools other you know other schools they've performed right. at um, just like insider tips whatever we can um, or if they have no ideas at all they, they look to us to have suggestions which we oh, always okay. do so we send them a whole bunch of ideas within their price range within you know these parameters that I mentioned sometimes they're more finite than others and sometimes you know it, it all varies and there's, there's no every client and every school and every show is going to be different but um, we try to get to that um, mutual understanding like so, so we're all on the same page and we're all vying for the same goal exactly because um, when when we get hired we're a member of the team so yeah. we're, you know, it's like for student activities office, which I mentioned, it's like we become, you know, a third party employee there. You know, it's like we try to be ingrained. So that brainstorming piece, we try to, you know, we start with, you know, the sky's the limit. These are all the names that, you know, I'm, I'm holding up my hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a very big, big long, long list. list. Yeah. <laughs> so aside, how tall are you? Side note, yeah. six four. Six four. Okay, so it's a six four wingspan of of, of, people. of, of, of ideas. Yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah. If you want to get technical about it, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So working on that list, and we try to whittle it down to like a top ten, say, and of you know artists that they could see 
on their campus doing well. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we're providing them with references to other students or administrators that have worked with them before. Um, you know, so from once we have like a clear, you know, pool of really like potential ideas, yeah. um, we go out and we check availability um, for that date. So we're, when we're doing that, we're checking pricing and availability. We're communicating with the artist representation. So. See you know, when, when they're touring, nationally touring, or even regionally touring, usually they're going to have a booking agent. Um, usually that's one of the first steps for an artist, you know, when, once they start getting to a certain level, um, or a manager in some cases. Um, sometimes we communicate directly with the artist if they're on that. I was going to say, do you ever have artists or artist booking agents just contact you and just say, hey, all the in time. your roster, please. We, All the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's we we try to have that as much as possible. It's like the like I mentioned, the commu communication is is key. Like yeah. we want to have uh, things change. All the time, minute by minute, second to second. So, like, we want to know what's happening and what people are up to, what we should be looking out for. So, we're having conversations with that those people that represent or artists themselves. Um, you know, when are you going out this fall, or you know, what do you got in the in the works? You know, when's the new music coming out? Um, you know, to an agent will say like, are there artists on your roster that you specifically want to target for colleges? So we can say, hey, you know, like when we're talking to our clients, we can have ideas at our fingertips. Say, That's you know, awesome. they're actively looking, you know, so when we bring them an offer, they're more inclined which is to the be next like, step. yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and whereas like if somebody's in the studio and not really, they, you know, they don't want to get out because they're working on an album. Yeah. You know, going out on a one-off show from L.A. to Boston is not ideal. sometimes not ideal, yeah. you know. Um, so that's that's the first step. We try to get, you know, ranked choices. We I, I usually recommend like 10, you know, because the next step is, you know, where it starts to get real. Um, so it's the offer process. So we, um, you know, once we have our list of ideas, hopefully ranked in order, um, we'll, we'll go to the school and the students and the administrators are working with, they'll, they'll be ready to go and they have the money in place and the venue secured, ready to go, and they authorize us to submit an offer on their behalf. And an offer has, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a Word document or PDF that has mm -hmm. all the pertinent information. Contractual that, obligations, blah, Yes, blah, blah. even before that. So it's, it's, oh, um, okay. so it's you know, Pro, you know, offer amount, you know, money, um, venue, dates, specifics to the school, gotcha. um, anything that the artisan management agent will need to know about the show. So gotcha. we submit that to the representation at that point, you know, the, all, all the way up to this point, and, but especially here, we're representing the yep. school. So we're their buyer, we're their representative, so we're their representative in negotiation. So we'll submit the offer, then the ball's in, in the artist court, so they can say, yes and accept and confirm the offer they can pass on it and say no they can negotiate with us and ask for more money or a different date or a different billing slot um, it, the possibilities are, are kind of <laughs> endless at this point so we're, we're trying to get the best deal for our client just like the agent is trying to get the best deal for theirs which artist. is the artist yeah um, and we're trying to make everybody happy and, and make it a success you know keep it fair and equitable um, but you know, make sure that the school is not getting hosed or taken advantage of. Um, you know, that a lot. That's another hat. Like we're we're the protector a lot of times. We're the gatekeeper um, for the school, which is you know who who we're hired by and and who we, we need to look out for. Right. So once we get an artist confirmed, yay! You know, sometimes it doesn't happen. Like yeah. for the first offer goes through, the second offer falls through. Um, sometimes you know, confirm your tenth artist, you know, which is important yeah. that you, we have that roadmap. So, and, and it's also important to, to. I always tell people that it's like the goal is to have a successful show. It's the goal is not to book a specific artist. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you can get bogged down like that. Um, but once an artist is confirmed, contracts come over from the agency usually or management, whoever. Um, we work with the school and their their legal team to yep. edit the contracts. I, do contracts all the time. <laughs> so doing a lot of redlining and suggesting of language. Um, I'm not a lawyer or an attorney, um, but no, I No, but you I get to know the problem areas, right? The, all the stuff that goes exactly. wrong. And it's like, oh, that yeah. informs future future yeah. contract writing exactly. if this so, pops up again. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you know, usually we're working in tandem with, with the school's legal counselor or attorneys to say, you know, they, they have a swath of experience with any number of contracts that are happening on that campus, but a lot of times they, you know, this this kind of contract happens maybe a couple times a year, so they're they're looking to us for advice and, and guidance on that. Um, contracts are fully executed, and then we start producing the show. 
And that's uh, when you bring all those different components exactly. and start coordinating vendors yep. with the artist expectations, the school limits, the... Exactly. Blah, 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 blah. Cool. Yeah. All right. I just wanted a picture yeah. of that because I feel like it's hard to describe Hopefully that was condensed. What goes <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a quick snapshot. Yeah. Very quick. Yeah. So now we're talking about the day of, right? What happens when things start to deflate? Because like, or yeah. like the artist, you know, the artist starts to make a scene or there's no, you know, there's no something, mm-hmm. sound isn't right, light isn't right, you know. Anything. Talk, yeah, talk about. I could see that being a long yeah. list of yeah. possibilities. Talk about your ability to to adapt because as you've gone through your story, you've talked about all, like through all of this, it's been high levels of preparation, mm-hmm. right? Like preparing everything at the highest level you can, every small detail, the language, the contract, the long journey of the back and forth. And then, you know, the day of things as a musician as well, you know that things go wrong. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think even before, you know, like what what you do when that stuff happens, I think it's like setting your own mindset and expectations. It's like things will go wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like having that baseline. You know, it's like you don't, you don't want to hope that things go wrong, but you you know, hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst is, is another, you know, thing that we're living by, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you really like this job, you know, it's like I have an economics degree. So there, there, there are, you know, especially now, like at Northeastern University, they have a music business program. And at Berkeley, they have a music business yeah. program. And, um, but the vast majority of people in this industry, you know, whether that be touring or label or whoever, they come from all walks of life. So um, you're really not going to be prepared until you have done the thing, yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah. thing that is, you know. So you have to really do it and you have to fail and you have to, um, you know, just really like I started, like trial by fire, you know. So when things do go wrong, I mean, it's like being able to problem solve very quickly and efficiently mm-hmm. is, is really the only way, um, you know. So, you know, here's a good one, like on a technical standpoint, like the, the first thing that you need is a venue. So you can't have a show if you don't have a place to put it. <laughs> so, right. um, <laughs> so the one of the first things I learned at UMass Dartmouth was to get become friendly with a man, man or woman with the keys. Um, so that yeah. that facilities person or that venue manager or that whoever you know knows that building in and out. Yeah. Um, so when you're in a bind or that dressing room won't open or that the house lights won't go down or anything like that, um, you know that that can tr- that that strengthening of a, of a relationship quickly too, like getting getting on people's good side right away is, is yep. super important. Um, first impressions and then, you know, just being straight up with people and, yeah. um, you know, being able to connect and on a personal level is, is important. So right. um, that, that, you know, person with the keys, that translates to the tour manager, the agent, the, you know, the, the drummer, you know, who it's like, um, stating who you are what your purpose there is you know knowing knowing as much as possible going in yeah Um, so that you know it's like trying to and i i'm kind of bouncing all over the place because that's that's kind of how that's what problem solving is (laughs) yeah Yeah. um but yes to get back to the original point being able to problem solve quickly and efficiently um so yeah i I, i've said this expression to my boss many many times um uh, is like i didn't even know that was the solution you know, like, when, when, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, cause I didn't, you know, I haven't experienced a problem before. Right. And I was like suggesting all these things. And, and he was like, why don't you just do this? And I was like, well, that makes sense. That's <laughs> so clear now. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's, I think in every style is different. I think the music industry has a reputation and uh, this still exists. You know, people are hotheads or wildly, you know, unprofessional that still exists for sure, as it does in, in a lot of industries. Yeah. You know, this one I think is heightened and amplified, you know, no pun intended, I think it's like, <laughs> um, but I think what's worked for me, you know, it's, and it's really only going to be like what works for you, yeah. you know, um, is, you know, like I do find myself being able to keep a level head, you know, even if I'm like Huge. freaking the out, you know, like in that was a good self edit. I yes, that one. nailed it. <laughs> Internally, if I'm freaking out, um, being able to be that, and I've heard that too, like yeah. to toot my own horn from clients, like to be that calming presence on a yeah. show day. Um, you know, especially because you know, a lot of times these 
professional staff or students, they don't exist in this world. They're not doing shows all the time. Yeah. So when things do go wrong, it can be very stressful. And, yep. you know, it can be like earth shattering. But like being able to be like, okay, you know, it's, it's actually not the end of the world. Right. You know, it's like, right. if you know that there's, you know, a thousand people in the house and, and you know, the band's angry, it's like, but we're going to get get through this. <laughs> you know, it's going to be over in about three yeah, hours, time no ticks matter on, what. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's really like the best answer I can, you know, because, you know, we can dive into like specific problems, but there's like a million different, you know, problems. But I think being able to learn from mistakes and ask for help is the other thing I should mention. It's yeah. like, there's really no stupid questions. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, I feel like I'm just rattling off like all the pieces of information, that, like the advice that I've gotten, but it's like, these are all real true. You yeah. know, it's like, if if you are afraid to ask, especially when there's real money on the table and, and people are invested and people are there and they paid for tickets and the band has flown out from LA and um, if you're afraid to ask a question and then it goes wrong and it's your fault because you didn't ask a question. Right. Then you know, then it's your fault. I mean, it's but if you ask a question and say, "Hey, you know, I don't know this," because really, nobody nobody does. You know, it's like. Well, I also think that helps the relationship of trust between yeah. who the uh, you and whoever you're interacting with. If if someone says something to you and you go, "You know what? I don't have the answer to that question. Let me find that out for you." Exactly. They know that when you say, "Actually, it needs to be X, Y, and Z," they go, "Oh yeah, he's confident about that answer. I'm good. Like yeah. I can trust that information because when." You don't know. You're not afraid to say, I don't know. I'm going to go figure it out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing, like, I guess the last thing I'll say on problem solving is like being able to be flexible and like knowing how to be kind of a chameleon. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes like hitting the problem over the head is not the solution. Like sometimes like, you know, that goes hand in hand with asking for help. Um, But like sometimes you got to be, you got to be wrong, you know, know, and let somebody else take charge to to solve the problem. Other times, if if you know the the answer or the solution and people are, you know, suggesting things that are either detrimental or just just wrong, you need to be able to take the reins and know how much power you have, Mm -hmm. you know, and are able to exert over the situation responsibly, you know. Um, but it, being able to stick up for your for your own opinion and experience, and, yep. and if you have the solution, you know, and it, it's not always going to work. Some people are, are not going to want to hear it, but you have to try. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So cool. I want to I want to wrap up this whole segment because it's something that ties together. How do you deal with the stress, right? Like because this is yeah. you're you're in high leverage <laughs> situations consistently with not a lot of sleep and you're. I'm sure you're eating on the go a lot of times, so like bouncing around. <laughs> I side note, I like have like ate at a normal pace before I started the job, and now I feel like I can eat at a wildly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. You, yeah. sometimes during during show days, especially like you got to eat when you can. I eat. do kind of <laughs> live by just like people are just like, "What's it like being a, like being a musician?" I'm like, do you think granola bars are a meal in the car? <laughs> if not. Then this might not be a career for yeah. you. you yeah. <laughs> How many coffee, cups of coffee can you comfortably drink? <laughs> So, so how do you deal with the stress, not only on the day of, but because I've seen you on the day of, um, I've actually seen you, we're, we're, we're good friends, so I see him a lot. Um, but <laughs> how do you deal with it outside? <laughs> yeah, that was not a backup, buddy. You didn't give me a lot of backup. But yeah, how do you deal out. with it um, after everything's done? Right, because you, you, you have oh, to man. function at such a high level consistently and be like, I'm calm, like, I got this, we're going to be okay, like, here's what we're going to do, we're here, you know, and you do that for so long during this intense period, especially towards, like, the end of the school year, and then how do you deal, because stress doesn't dissipate, it's like, oh, the situation's over, I guess my body's like, well, we're good now, like, uh, there's yeah. lingering effects after, so how do you deal with stress in the moment and then after you have all this wear and tear from, like, working crazy hours and dealing in high leverage situations? Yeah, that that's a good question, and so, uh, a question that I constantly <laughs> ask myself and other people. Um, I, I, in short, I don't have a perfect answer. I mean, it's going to be different for everybody, but for for me, like, I try to be better as much as possible. So, with what I do, and a lot of time, and and again, this is can be translated to all all industries. But since we're all in music, like in the music industry, the work life balance can be, you know, a, a unicorn. Like I. I I yeah. haven't found it yet. I really yeah. haven't. You know, it's it's. Uh, Neither have you know, the three of us. None <laughs> of the three of us yeah, so at this table that's right why, now. That's why I think we're that, pulling on a ten-hour day know, it's, right now. It's <laughs> and it's a product of you know the industry that we're work, working in. It's you know you have to be entrepreneurial in spirit, and I think it's a product of the time that we're living in. Um, yeah. You know, I think 
but you know, Gary V. Gary V. <laughs> shouts out. Um, but how do I deal with the stress? I mean, like Ryan said, I mean, it's, I on the sh- day of show, like I don't have time to you know like to curl up in a ball and uh, and just hide away. Survival, yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of just like you know keep keep going, you know. Um, but after, so like. You know, for this year, like my last show was on May 13th of the season and I kind of just like turned off the phone and, you know, like decompressed. I mean, like didn't listen to any music for a couple of days, you know, yeah. like didn't, you know, like tried not to look at work email unless it was super urgent. Um, you know, like f- knowing knowing your work schedules and finding those pockets where you can really unplug, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, this is consistent to everybody that I've talked to that I worked with. And it's like. You know, everybody feels it, you know, it's like, Uh, yeah, I think I can't say it enough. Like, I don't have the I don't have the answer. Um, How I deal with it is, you know, trying uh, just like having that internal monologue saying like, you know, this is my passion. This is this is, you know, how I'm supporting myself. I'm very, very lucky to do this. And um, I've I've found like a talent in this. Um, I also know that there are greater things that that matter, you know. Yeah. So I try to remind myself of that. Um, and also give a hundred and X amount of percent. Which is a hard line to walk because it's It's easy to go, oh, there's other things that matter. And then you're like, it's easy to start going into coast mode because it's like, well, there's other things that matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. you have the inverse too though because then if you're like, this is my passion, then that's when the ego kicks in too. Because you're like, oh, well, I I have a talent for this and I'm pretty good at it because I put in so much effort. It must be all about me. So yeah, that's a hard line to to, to go across. I think I'm also lucky to have, um, you know, yes, yes, obviously you, Ryan. You and only you. Good job. Um, To have friends, family members, um, my girlfriend that don't exist in this world. You know, like they have their own stresses and they have their own interests and passions. And like, you know, sometimes when I'm rattling off of, you know, like how crazy my day was and how many things I, you know, are on fire um, and like, you know, a realizing that other people have stuff going on. Right. You know, it's like right. The world doesn't revolve around me, and my business, and um, and the things that I'm working on, um, and like j- that alone kind of like knocks me off, like of of like that stress cycle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, realizing that there's other things going on besides yeah. that. Um, you know, having people around me that will say like, "Hey, like take a breath." Like, you know, I think this can be said by a lot of moms or any like maternal or paternal figure. It's like my mom will text me sometimes when I'm like really going through it. She's like, "Are you okay? Take a breath. Have some tea." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "How did you even know? I'm stressed." Yeah. <laughs> so get out of my head, man. Yeah, they've um, got yeah, they've got a ticker. They've got a ticker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that I, hopefully that answers. That the does question. answer. I mean, it's like, yeah. I, I should also say that. I'm 26. I've been doing this for for five years, so I'm like I'm still you know I have a good amount of experience under my belt, but I'm still learning, you know, right. as, as everybody is. But um, you know, so this is one of those things. Like, and I, it, it, we're we are in our 20s, and you know, it's like we gotta we gotta Joe, speak for yourself on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my 20s. <laughs> so the biggest lie too about the 20s is that Comedy Central made it seem like we were just gonna show up to college and it was just gonna be this crazy party, and it just like never was. Like the 20s are just like consistently like. Setting a reminder, being like, I should probably drink some more water. Like that's what my so like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so uh, I just want to talk about this briefly. Outside of all of this, you're creative with instruments in your hand as well. I try to be. Yeah. So, what do you play, <laughs> and what kind of music do you like to play? Um, I started with guitar in eighth grade. Um, I got one of the Squire Strats that you have hanging on the wall. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started with guitar. Um, took some lessons like I really actually I started with saxophone I should say in, in school band in like fourth grade I think or something like that the gateway drug but like really <laughs> the gateway drug yeah it really is um, I have met so many people that have you know I started with saxophone um, but I like you know did you know did paid my dues I really couldn't get into the lesson plan you know it's, which is like you know prob- I'm probably like a crossing yeah. enemy line yeah, seriously, <laughs> but you can go ahead uh, yeah, which, which I regret here. which yeah. I regret which is the other side of that coin seriously well, that's to, because you didn't come to double bar yeah. that is yeah, exactly yeah. plug plug plug, plug. <laughs> um, sign up now today um, <laughs> use code name breaker code <laughs> 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 
Um, so I started with guitar. I played guitar through high school, and then I got to college. I, I didn't play really in any bands. I played with friends, you know, and jammed. Tried to write some songs. My you know, buddy Rob and Ben, like my earliest you know, musician Shouts friends. Shouts out to Ben. He's, yeah. he's the drummer. Uh, we're recording an album right now. And we are. Right playing bass. Yeah. Right <laughs> um, yeah. Shouts out to Ben. I know you're going to leave listening to this. <laughs> we miss you. Um, I got to school. Um, I brought my acoustic to freshman year. You know, I played it when I could. Sophomore year, I, I'm trying to remember like what was the inspiration. I think I was getting into different types of music. Um, I think I was getting into a lot of folk. Like I think it was the first time that like I heard Mumford and Sons, mm -hmm. and I saw I can't think of his name, but the upright bass player. And I was like, that is freaking oh, cool. Yeah. And I was like, I want to play upright bass. And I was like, can't afford an upright bass, yeah. <laughs> nor do I know how to play bass. Um, but you know, you kind of do if you nor play Nor is guitar. it fun to carry around. <laughs> exactly. So I went down to um, this music store down the street here. In Dartmouth? Yes. Symphony? Symphony. Yes. Yeah. So I went down to Symphony. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought a, uh, a Squire Jaguar bass nice. and, and uh, a little bass amp, and I brought it back to my room. I was like, you know, just, I just did it one day. I don't know. Uh, I, was, uh, I think maybe before that I was playing you know, with our buddy Ben that I, we had both mentioned, but he was a bass player in his high school band. He yeah. Liked, and like I, one day I put on his bass and it felt much better. Yeah. As has been mentioned many times, I'm a tall guy. I have big hands, so like it felt much better when I held it. And I was like, this feels right. Also, I thought it looked cooler. <laughs> in, Definitely. In my humble Don't opinion. Don't let Ryan tell you otherwise. <laughs> yeah. um, more notes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I started playing, you know, doing YouTube tutorials and things like that. Um, I think uh, I'd met my first like getting into a band was um our old lead singer from the young westport slash westport uh, guy named andy leducer yeah shouts out andy if you're listening <laughs> um and he was visiting visiting my friend barrett um also the sga treasurer that hooked me up <laughs> with the funding to do the concert um all full circle so he was visiting um from Pittsfield, Western Massachusetts. He was doing his own solo stuff, mm -hmm. coming from a band, writing really interesting, like Beatles-esque um, tunes. So we just had a jam in their dorm room. Um, it was, I think it was like a cajon, and a, you know, he was singing and playing guitar. I was playing bass, and it was great. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is it. It was the first time I played bass in a, in the context of like a, With some you know essence of a band, um, and I think. You know, I, I think that summer went by, and I, you came my j junior year. Yeah, so, so then, yeah. just to put it in context, Andy transferred as well. True. And I lived <laughs> in the transfer dorm with him that semester, and I met Andy outside. Um, he was like, hey, do you want to jam one day? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, you know how these things go. I was like, I don't want to play Wonderwall on the quad. Like, I'm all <laughs> set. Um, and so I brought my guitar out, and he was like, this is like you ever like have those real humbling moments he was like all right so it's in this key i was like you don't need to tell me what key like i'm good to go first song we played my guitar string breaks <laughs> it's just like yes. yeah that's like one of those like real humbling moments You're like i play bad. guitar i swear yeah no i'm really good <laughs> so he was like hey i have this bass player and this drummer now the drummer he didn't tell me who it was i was in music skills class with tyler oh really yeah uh, oral skills um because he was a music major at the time and so all of these pieces knew each other the only one that didn't know was bricker and myself yeah, yeah that's true and then we all met up for um, we're trying to do Andy wanted to do a talent show yeah he wanted to enter the talent show that was coming up on canvas and mm -hmm. um he wanted what song do you, red don't hot forget me yeah yeah, yeah. By the red hot chili peppers yeah i still haven't oh, listened too to bad it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we met up in a very, very small practice room very small. in the CVPA, um, and it was great. I mean, I think we, we may have started writing. We wrote a song yeah. that day. Yeah, yeah. it was wow. incredible. Yeah, so we formed a, a band that day, and it was pretty crazy because I was like, oh, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. And then Berker was like, yeah, this is like my first band I've ever been yeah. in. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, I was tickled pink. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. Like, yeah. I w like, I thought up until I was like, I'm never going to play in a band. You know, it's like, I'm just going to play in my room, like, whatever. And then I was like, you know what? I don't know how, what I was feeling that day, but they're like, yeah, come jam. Going I was like, for it. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And since then, we've played, we've recorded 
like two separate EPs where we're working on an album. We've done a bunch of singles. Whenever I had my heart broken by a girl, Bricker was always there with a portable sound system and, and willing to record my songs. So he's he's been the guy. He's That's been the true. go-to. Yeah, so I, I played bass with Ryan in that in that band through college, which is amazing. Like we gigged out in, in Providence and you know, I don't think we ever played New Bedford, but we played. No, we played Boston and we played yeah, in Westport and Dartmouth a whole bunch. We played we played on campus a bunch. Yeah, um, which I think were our best shows. Um, and then so towards the end riots. of college, like when we were living together, I got um, like a little Personas audio box, like yep. a two in two out interface. Yeah. Because um, I just started like. YouTube is like the keystone of like everything. It's like, you know, it's like my entertainment, my education. Know, education yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, like, I just started to get into um, home recording. I just like was fascinated yeah. by that, which is why I was like, I'm so impressed by engineers you know, to this day and I will always be. Yeah. Um, so like st that started to be a hobby of mine too. So like really the first, and I think maybe even before that, when we were in the studio for our, our three song EP, that we did like a marathon 24-hour session in a, I don't even know if it still exists, Castle Studios in, in Providence. Oh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but it was amazing. I mean, I was like, this is cool. You know, studio sessions were, were like really cool to me. So I, I bought that interface and some headphones and, uh, you know, a microphone. Um, and we started, you know, recording one of Ryan's songs, Little Misconfident, yeah. in, uh, in the house that we were living in. Um, and then since then, like I've gotten more, I still play bass and guitar. That's awesome. Um, I, after you know, I got, I got the job with Pretty Polly out of school, you know, didn't, wasn't in a band for about a year. And then I joined up with a band with a lot of my high school buddies. Nice. Ben, ben included. My, Shouts my out drummer. to Ben. <laughs> <laughs> the, the most consistent person I've ever played with. <laughs> and, uh, like I've known him since second grade. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, played in that band. Lead singer moved to um, a band was called Hybrid Blinds. That was the solo project of uh, Ryan Kaplan, who's, who's still making music under that name. Coming out with a new EP soon. Um, dropped a few singles already. Yeah, a lot of publicity a lot of, a lot for of a person probably. you're not really. Yeah, um, and then uh, so it wasn't as good at his job. <laughs> <laughs> That was the last band I was in, uh, and now I have uh, a practice space and rehearsal studio. Um, in uh, in Charlestown, uh, north of Boston, and uh, it, it's great. I mean, it's like I've, it's become like a studio, and I've gotten even more into um, recording. The recording aspect, yeah. yeah. So that's like the Which, the DAW and the console has like really become like the new instrument to me yeah, over the past yeah. few years, and like I'm fascinated by it. Um, so like I'm not in in a band like we have a project together, you know, yeah. um, and we're you know uh, you know. I, sh I share the space with Ben and, and my boss actually, you know, shares it with me too. Um, so I do a lot of recording now. It's, That's it's, amazing. It's well, and I think I all that between doing. your own experience playing an instrument, between your experience working in the recording engineering situation, I think, you know, all of that contributes to being able to inform how you even do your job, being able to talk to the other people who handle equipment, even, yeah. even having the... Um, most basic understanding of any of that it's like okay well i've i've been in this situation it can help the problem solving when things go wrong it can help it can help a number of things so i can see yeah. how that all would just yeah i kind of can't together. get away from like being the kind of like cohesive part you mm -hmm. know it's like I think that's where i feel most comfortable yeah like i, I don't I, I can't see myself ripping an insane guitar solo like mr bass, ryan over bass here solo. <laughs> <laughs> <Bass> solo. <Yeah. laughs> But so, so, so yeah, now we come down to it. And since this is the last podcast of, of this, this season, I will introduce my own segment. This is the Strumpler oh. Surprise, where you have one thing random. So let me know, who is the best looking guitar player you know uh, in this room and why? No, what is, <laughs> and why is, what is your favorite decade of music? Oh, man, my favorite decade of music? I would say the most formative decade of music. I mean, I grew up on... on pop punk and like you know like and blink 182 is my first like favorite band um but my favorite decade of Fa favorite decade right now ah oh, man come on don't you problem solve don't you not crack under pressure come on <laughs> let's go my favorite de i would say i mean 60s motown probably my favorite i mean it's like that's like a, a cornerstone for me like i in the kitchen when my dad's like making breakfast like in wow. the morning he's like always had like motown on the radio um just like different compilation cds like yeah. 
Temptations. <laughs> I mean, I, I just really like the 90s. I've got enough angst in my soul to like the 90s. So I, I kind of split between like 60s psychedelia and like 80s metal. So just... <laughs> I also love 80s music. Like, arena rock is... That's what I was expecting. Not even a guilty pleasure. Yeah, because when... I I didn't want to let you (laughs) know that they were doing Rebel Yell. I just wanted it to happen. Our students just played Rebel Yell. I was so pleasantly surprised. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's good. And it's good that you came today. (laughs) I agree. So, this wraps up season one. Thank you. What a wonderful journey. Thank you so much for being our finale guest. Yay. Thank you for having me. This, this is my first podcast yes. ever. This is really fun. You handled it well. Self editing. We're really impressed. Self editing. <laughs> did shout outs. I did the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we thank you guys so much for sticking with us through our first season. Um, we will be back. And if you have any requests for guests, recommendations for topics, please let us know. Um, and we will see you in season two.